Welcome to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is a community helping New Yorkers embody the love of Christ for the good of our neighbors. For more information, go to goodshepherdnewyork.com. May you be filled with curiosity, grace, and peace as we listen and learn together through this sacred text. And now a reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 46. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And now having heard our Gospel text, we take a moment to be quiet, to pay attention, to open our ears to what God would say to us. Just one quick moment of quiet. God, help us as we consider this story. Amen. Well, Jesus is at peak level conflict here in the city of Jerusalem, in the temple, with every power group of his time coming after him. Jesus is under the pressure of these groups who felt threatened by him and they wanted to destroy him. But thankfully, pressure produces diamonds like the diamond we consider this morning. Jesus is asked about the most important commandment. And he responds as expected at first, right? This is the typical rabbinical answer of his time. His answer was to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. But then we get this twist. It's the twist that served as an indictment on those who attacked him. You see, Jesus wouldn't simply reduce the essence of life to a one-dimensional love. Jesus' love is three-dimensional. He says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus shows us here a revolutionary truth. It's impossible to separate love for God from love of neighbor and love of self. In fact, it's impossible to love God and to love neighbor, which for Jesus includes our enemy, by the way, if we refuse to love ourselves. Now, this sounds kind of weird, right? It feels so counterintuitive. Almost all of our instincts about Christian love place the self in tension with that love. And so if we will love, we assume that we must be self-sacrificing, self-donating, self-denying, self-effacing. But if I were to ask you, what's the opposite of love? Sure, we'd think of things like hate or apathy, but don't we all have a sense of self-centeredness in there somewhere? 
See, when we imagine the enemy of love, don't we typically default to some form of selflessness? And I think it's a common thing to equate self-love with selfishness. But today, I want to consider the words of philosopher and psychologist Eric Fromm and the idea behind them that, quote, selfishness and self-love, far from being identical, are actually opposites. The selfish person does not love himself too much, but too little. In fact, he hates himself. You know, what if our lack of sleep or our bad diets or our lack of exercise, our lack of quiet and stillness and solitude, our overworking and overcommitting isn't a form of selflessness or sacrificial love, but rather an implicit expression of self-hatred or loathing or indifference? Now, what if our problem isn't that we love ourselves too much, but that we don't love ourselves enough? This three-dimensional love that Jesus talks about here glides over this little phrase, which we often glide over anyways, as yourself, right? Love God, love neighbor, but the three are inextricably linked. Now, we often compartmentalize, but Jesus is resisting the ways that we think are loving God but hurting our neighbor, or the ways that we think we're loving God or our neighbor but hurting ourselves or the ways that we think that we're loving our neighbor or ourselves, but not God. Jesus says it's all connected. There's only one valve in the heart that makes love possible, and it includes it all. Like Jesus is challenging the religious leaders here who lived a great split, a great divide. It was a split that was burdensome for the people. It was inattentive to human need. It obsessed about signs and signals of purity and it neglected the human heart and human need. It was without mercy. It looked holy, it looked pious on the outside, but it was dark and closed and evil on the inside. You know, Dr. King had a vision for what he called the beloved community, which involved the practice of social justice, racial justice. But he knew that as essential as structural and policy change was, it would never be enough. He said, in 1966, quote, our goal is to create a beloved community and this will require a qualitative change in our souls as well as a qualitative change in our lives. So I got to thinking of my own journey and what I've learned up to this point about this three-dimensional love. Now, I'm nowhere near perfect at this. I've had some royal failures, but I'm hopeful that my failures are leaving behind a wisdom that I'm slowly but surely learning to embrace, and I'd boil them down into three insights. First, to love ourselves, we must learn to know ourselves. Most of us are sleepwalking. Sandra Maitri says, when we stay caught up in the passions, our personality, the territory we travel through stays the same, repeating endless variations of the same scenery, while the soundtrack just keeps replaying the same old song. Have you ever felt like this? Right? You live enough life and you start to see the same patterns occurring over and over, the same heartaches. Right? It might involve new people or circumstances, but the pattern is there and it can get tiring and exhausting. Now, one of our biggest delusions is that we actually understand ourselves well, that our assumptions are the same thing as reality. 
But if we learn to know ourselves, we're going to have to learn how to listen to ourselves with skill. Listening's a big deal right now. I once was able to ask Pope Francis what his major leadership priority was in the world. And he said, the ministry of the ear. Right? How can we be good listeners to others when we don't listen to ourselves? Poets pay attention to life. And I think of Jesus in that way. His sort of level of observation had to be off the charts. Consider his parables. He'd say things like, consider the lilies or the birds. Right? He asks us to observe and to connect dots because that's how he lived. When you observe, you create distance, and distance offers space. And when we have the space of observation, we can allow ourselves, our ego, to be seen as an object, separate from my essential self, not the same thing as my essential self. When you create space between stimulus and response, then you have the, the power to pivot and to change. Most of us, because we don't observe or listen to our lives very well, are slaves to our circumstances. We're slaves to the knee-jerk responses that we have to life. And we all need maps for this. For me, one such map has been the Enneagram, but truly there are so many out there that are helpful. You just have to find one that can guide you. I remember in Connecticut when I first learned this map, bells went off and I quickly realized that this tool for understanding can also be weaponized. As we learned the system, my wife and I would often use these types, personality insights, as weapons in arguments, which leads me to the second thing we have to learn if we're going to love ourselves well. To love ourselves well, we must learn also to accept ourselves. Again, this sounds counterintuitive. I mean, we all feel the need to sort of light a fire under something if we want to see change. But friends, hear me in this. If you can't get to a place of self-acceptance, you'll either turn self-knowledge into a weapon for yourself or toward others, or you'll never have the courage to really truly face your reality. Dr. Maitri says again, quote, learning to see ourselves clearly is itself the heart of this process. And being willing to see ourselves as we are is only possible with infinite self-acceptance and kindness toward ourselves. You must forsake your judgments and have the utmost compassion for yourself, knowing that this is just the way things are in the world of ego. It was St. Teresa of Avila who said that the sinner isn't the one who loves themselves too much, but actually one who does not love or accept himself or herself enough. We do not see or admire the whole self often, right? So we like split it up and we try to love the good parts of ourselves and we reject the bad parts of ourselves. But Jesus told us to let the wheat and the weeds grow together until the harvest, lest we destroy the wheat by pulling up the weeds. People who are honest, who are transparent, people who are vulnerable, are people who love themselves. They're willing to see themselves, to name reality the way things really are. They're willing to put themselves in a position to grow and to get help. See, when we can see and we can name our shadow, it loses its unconscious sway over our lives. Which brings me to my last point. To love ourselves, we must also learn to feel. I'd like to bring you into two moments of ecstasy and agony of my life, and they sort of come through the form of social media. Check these out. Is he one? Yes! yes!
All down to this, Parky. Parky for the win. To justify the season, Parky! Parky! Oh my gosh, he missed it! He missed it! He missed it! He missed it! He hit the field! He hit the thing again! He hit the thing again! Oh my god, he hit the thing again! He did it again! He did it again! Now listen, my personality is at its core a deep feeler, but my type is ironically most disconnected from my feelings because uh, we, in types like myself, early on we learn to internalize that it's not okay to have our own feelings. And we internalize basically a posture of adapting to be admired. So while you can see in these videos that there is a lot of emotion in here, it has proven difficult for me over the years to let myself feel. In the span of a few months, I experienced a terrorist attack, a panic attack, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and I came down with a case of the shingles. It was as if my body just tapped and said, I give up. My wife at one point, she did an amazing thing. She said, I'm sending you away to get out of town, to get some space, to be with God, and to sort of take care of yourself. During that time, I reached out for some help, and I was referred to a book by a therapist and author in New York. Her name was Hilary Jacobs Hendel. And here's what I learned from reading this book with, of, by Dr. Hendel. She said at one point, quote, feelings are the gateway to love. You know, Jesus did this. He wept, he yelled, he laughed, he partied in joy. He was disgusted at times, he was angry. The Psalms are like this. Right? We see the full bandwidth of emotional response to life, no holding back, processed honestly in the presence of God, joy, sadness, despair, confusion, excitement. It's all in there. See, what I discovered is that feelings will be held in our bodies if we don't allow ourselves to go there. We run from our core emotions, things like anger and sadness, excitement, joy, sexual excitement, disgust, fear, we run because they feel overwhelming at times. But here's the challenge. We can't love without an open heart. And an open heart is something that's calm and curious and compassionate and connected and confident and courageous and clear. Yet St. Paul put it this way, love is patient, it's kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But I, I was afraid. I was afraid of terror. I was afraid of sickness. I was angry at friends who I felt betrayed by. I was sad. I lost rhythms and structures that gave me life. And these were not quick things, quick fixes. There's no rapid journey from one place to another. We need enormous patience for this process. You can't rush it, no matter how good a map we have. We have to remember that our soul has its own timing, and the time it takes to really see ourselves with more objectivity and to digest those insights, which can't be hurried, and it's always tailored to the individual. You know, it's not necessarily linear or sequential, it's dynamic. And so I ask you today, how is God's spirit whispering to you in the inmost part of your being 
as we consider the command to love ourselves. Where have you neglected self-care during the pandemic? Where do you need to ask for the help you need this week? As I've reflected on this afresh, I already have several uh, sort of senses of invitation uh, that I'm going to act on. Now, if we're going to avoid the hypocrisy of the leaders that Jesus opposed, if we will embody the love of Christ, which is the mission of our church, then we have to learn to love God, yes, and our neighbor, yes. But we can only love God and our neighbor to the degree that we learn to love ourselves. So may we take up this invitation of Christ as we also know and grow in our own sense of being loved. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church is theologically rooted in the Apostles and Nicene Creeds, but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you would like to support us, please text Good Shepherd NY, all lowercase with no spaces, to 77977. That's Good Shepherd NY to 77977. Or visit our website, goodshepherdnewyork.com. Thank you for listening.